All right, good morning. Good morning. Oh, technical difficulties. I love them. All right, kids, you guys can go to Children's Church if you're going to go. Miss Mercy's back there. I can't. I don't know why I call her Miss Mercy, but Mercy's back there. So. The only person we call Miss is Sue. So um, now Mercy's got that title, Miss Mercy. So, all right, um, let's pray. Father, we just come to you. We just thank you. God, we need you. Um, we love you, and we just thank you for what you're going to do in our lives, and we thank you for what you have done in our lives already. God, we ask for just um, your spirit to come and just to work in our lives today, God, and just uh, give us a fresh anointing of you, God, a fresh revelation of who you are, God, and what you want to do in our lives and what you have planned for in our lives, God, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, you guys awake? Yes. All right, you guys are awake? All right. All right, um, if you guys want to, let me get this out of the way here, turn to Romans 8.1. You guys there? All right. It's a pretty common scripture. Most of you guys probably know this scripture. I got to get there before I can read it. That, that would be helpful. Not sure. It's a little weird having a handheld instead of a um, regular microphone for me. All right. It says uh, the heading on there is life in the spirit. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free, Christ Jesus from the free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of, of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin for flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled for who who walk according to the, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Romans is a pretty powerful scripture that, uh, that scripture right there is um, Romans 8, 1. It says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is, um, that's a powerful scripture, but it's also a, um, sometimes as Christians, it's hard for us to live in. Because what happens is we have two channels of input that come in our lives. Well, I'm sorry, three channels of input. We have what the enemy says what the world says, and what Christ says. And so, I think sometimes we, uh, we walk through life and we're like, okay, yeah, this is good. I'm, I'm uh, living how Christ wants me to live. I'm doing what Christ wants me to do. But what happens is, I think we start to be overwhelmed by the two channels instead of the one channel. You know, Christ says that he, um, there's living water in, a, in us. There's living water inside of us. But what happens is I think sometimes we allow the two other channels of the world and, and what the enemy says about us to dam up that living water in our life. And so what happens is um, that when we are... living 
a godly life. We could be going to church, we're, we're praying, we're, we're, we're doing what God has asked us to do, and we're, we're communicating with God, but what happens is that sometimes we're not paying attention. It's, um, it's kind of like um, when a river is flowing. You know, in the spring, the water's rushing, the snow is melting, and it, and it comes off um, the land, and it's rushing. And then when you get to it about July and August, it's dr- the river's dry. And it's, it's, you know, in the spring, you can run your boat down the river as far as you want, or you take your kayak down the river. But in July, you're getting up and you're carrying your kayak to different areas because you're scraping on the bottom. And I feel like sometimes when things are good in life, it's like the spring and the river's rushing and it's great and it's always fresh and always new. And then what happens is we start to get to July and August and life starts to come in and life starts to get harder and some things pop up and then it's like scraping bottom. And you're like, I've got a puddle jump. I've got to go, okay, now I, I can only go this far. Now we've got to pick up and we've got to go to this spot. And sometimes that's not bad. Sometimes jumping from one spot in the water to the next is not bad because God still has a plan for that. And sometimes that can be hard. And and condemnation comes in, well, I, I, I should be flowing all the time and I should be, this should be always good and it should always be that. That's not how life works. I'm sorry, it doesn't. I can stand up here and preach a four-point message on how life is always good and God is always great. And it is true, he is always great, but life is not always good. Life sucks sometimes. But God is still God and he's always good no matter when life sucks or when it's good. He doesn't change even when our circumstances change. But what happens is is when, when our circumstances change, anxiety comes in. Anybody ever had anxiety, stress, worry? Yeah. If you're not raising your hand or nodding in your head, you're like, yes, I have. Because it, it's all been there. Every one of us have been there in our life. But I want you to know this, that because you have anxiety, there, you don't need to feel condem- condemnation on your life. Like, I'm not a good Christian because I've had, had anxiety. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We will never be perfect like Christ. But what, what I want you to think about this, though. Christ, when he's in the garden and he's praying to his father, what was happening? He was saying, hey, if you can take this from me, please do. But it's not my choice. It's not my, my choice, my will. It's your will. And he's sweating blood. He's in a state of anxiety. He realizes what is coming up. But he's, he's so tuned into his father that he says, I will do this no matter what. So when you have anxiety, it's okay sometimes. Because as long as you don't let it turn to fear, because perfect love casts out fear, you can have anxiety and be like, oh my gosh, what is going to go on with this? As long as you don't go into fear, because if you have anxiety, you say, God, this is going on. I'm, I'm, I'm counting my breathing here. I need you to step in here. It's okay sometimes. And I want you to understand that because there's going to be times in your life where things don't go perfectly. <laughs> Anybody been there where it doesn't go perfectly? You know, 
you know, stuff breaks down, things go go out, you know, you, you yeah, your health goes, your power goes, your your water heater goes, your 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 different things in life go, and you're not expecting it, and it might be a little have a little bit of anxiety, but it's if you allow God to work in that circumstance and say, you know, what, no, I'm not going to be afraid because you're like, oh God, where's the money coming from? And you're like, you get a little anxious about it. But God says, don't be anxious because he will take care of it. He doesn't say, oh, if you're anxious, you've sinned and you're wrong. He says, but fear is the opposite of faith. Being anxious is like, oh my gosh, what's going to go on? But God says, don't worry. Don't be anxious. I'm going to take care of this. So, sorry. My wife is... uh, We're going to have a conversation when we get home about that. <laughs> um, anyway, so this is just a, an odd morning, but we are going to get through this. God is going to get work, and it's going to be good. But I want you to understand is being anxious is not wrong. God says don't be anxious because he doesn't want, he knows anxiety leads to fear. He says don't be anxious because I'm going to take care of it. Um, everyone ever, ever been stressed, overwhelmed? Few of you? Okay, yeah. The rest of you? I need to know what your secret is because we need to write this down and share it with the world. Um, so we've, yes, exactly. We will make millions on this. But if we've ever been stressed, overwhelmed, we know what it's like. It's like, oh, you know, that's where when you're stressed and overwhelmed, that's where fear starts to take over. That's where faith is like, okay, faith, you, you set off to the side because fear is, is running me right now. And sometimes, but I still want you to know that just because you have fear doesn't make you wrong to God. God says, I love you and I see you how you should be, not how you are. Because our fear is a natural response as a human because we are born without God. We are born in the image of God, but we are born without God. So fear is a natural part of who we are as a human. But with Christ in us, he is the hope of glory. Yeah. So 2 Corinthians twelve nine says, so if you're struggling with fear and feeling overwhelmed, stressed, he says, my grace is sufficient for you. Grace is what? He supplies us with to get through the situation that we're dealing with at that time. Everybody's like, grace. Oh, it's just God extending his grace to us and not killing us. No, that is not how it works. Grace, that is a little bit of grace. That's, that's some grace there by his son who stepped in and said, I will be the sacrifice for you. But God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My, the, the, the ability to go through the situation, the, the empowerment to go through the situation that you're in, the, the circumstance you're in, the, the mental anguish that you're in, my grace is sufficient to work you through this. I will go through this with you. So, and it says, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Our weakness is the catalyst for God's power to, to be perfected in us. Therefore, excuse me, <coughs> sorry. Therefore, I will boast 
all the more gladly about my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How awesome is that, that in our humanity, in, in the weakness, in the flaws, God's power is made perfect in us. And Paul's like, I'm just going to boast about my weakness. I mean, who really wants to do that? Go out and say, well, you know, these are my flaws. I do this, I do this, I said this and this, and then I'm really horrible at this. And you know, it's like, nobody wants to go out and say that. But Paul's like, I'm just going to boast in my weakness. I'm going to boast in what I'm not good at because Christ's power is made perfect in weakness. It shows how awesome he is by how little we can do. You know, I, I look at life and, you know, um, when you're 15, 16, 17, you know, 18, 19, you're like, I'm invincible. I can do anything. And then you have a kid and you're like, I'm not invincible. I have to make sure I take care of myself. I've got someone to take care of. Our humanity uh, our, uh, the pride of life a lot of times falls away when we have children because we realize what we have to do. And we, there's something that is not just myself that I have to take care of. And so we like, oh my gosh, I'm not invincible anymore. You, you see the fragileness of life in that, that child and you're like, oh yeah, I, I, I got to quit doing that kind of stuff. That's going to get me killed. You know, I remember as a as teenager, you, you get your car and you're driving 65 miles an hour down a hilly dirt road and you're like, this is awesome. And then when you're 25 and you have a baby in the back seat, you're like, I'm doing 35 around a corner. I got to slow down. <laughs> but that's the humanity of who we are. We start to realize as we grow how weak we are and how strong God is. I love that he says, my power is made perfect in my, in your weakness. I mean, that, that goes against con, common thought of, well, I've got to be strong and I've got to be powerful and I can't have weakness and that's how I, I become strong. And that's how I, I look perfect. The world sees us as perfect when we're, we're strong and we're successful, but God's like, hey, your weakness is where I'm going to start to perfect you. My power is going to start to perfect you. My, my strength is going to be in you. And I'm going to work through that. So as we, we get into, you know, life, it's like, okay, things happen. And, you know, you go through trials in life, whether it's in finances or marriage or children or, or you know, health, whatever it is. We're gonna, we all go through those. And if you haven't gone through those, you will go through those. And 1 John 4 8 says, and I said this earlier, it says, There is no fear in love, but for perfect love cast out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. And you know, I look at my life and I'm like, okay, you know, how am I going to be perfected in love? How is my heart going to be perfected so that fear doesn't have a place in my life? 
And that's a, that's a tough question to answer. If you ask yourself that, you, you say, how, how is God's perfect love going to get rid of the fear in my life? How am I going to allow that to do that? And sometimes, I, I think sometimes we can't answer that question. So, <coughs> I want to tell you this, though, is without anxiety in your life, without fear, without trials, without feeling overwhelmed, you're not being refined. Your fear, even though you have it and it is opposite of faith, by starting to perfect, by starting to to hold on to God and allowing him to perfect that, it refines you. Your past experiences will will kind of guide you through life, but God will define you and refine you into what he wants you to be. It's your choice to let him do that, though. I can be, you know, well, I don't agree with it, what happened in my, my past, and I don't agree what happened here, and I don't hear, but you know what? It's in the past. And you can let it define you as a person of who you are, and you can say, okay, well, this is just, I can't get over this, and I can do this, but God says, you know what? No, let me, let my perfect love come in and refine you and define who you are, not by your past experiences. You know, we, we look at anxiety and stress and, and mental health as a, as a whole in this country and, um, and hopelessness. You know, the anxiety starts with something simple, and then it works into fear, and then it works into hopelessness. And, and, and God has... With his perfect love, none of that can stand in the light of him. His perfect love is there standing and shining in the light, and it casts out fear, and it casts out anxiety, and it casts out hopelessness. And so hopelessness is just, is just a side effect of not experiencing the perfect love of God. And, and, it, and you're, not, you're not going to be perfected from the moment you experience it. God, it's a refining process of God saying, you know what? I'm going to work on the anxiety, the, I'm going to work on the hopelessness first, then I'm going to work on the fear, and then I'm going to work on the anxiety. And I'm going to get rid of those. Because when, he stand, when, when you give those to God and when you bring those before him and he stands up and he says, no, this is not what it is, they, cannot, they have to submit to the love of Christ. Philippians 4, 6, don't be anxious about anything. And here's the key. To anxiety. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. What happens is that we get anxiety and we go, oh, I got this coming up and I've got this coming up and we hold on to anxiety. And what happens is, is the end, our anxiety is just the seed and we are the incubator for fear if we hold on to anxiety. So what happens is, is we like, well, I got this coming up and I got this. It says, it says in the letters here, the words here, it says, be anxious about nothing, be in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. So when we hold on to anxiety, we become an incubator for fear. We become a greenhouse to grow fear. We become a greenhouse to grow 
overwhelmed, hopeless. So when the, the troubles come and the, and the little things start and it just starts out as something little and you're like, there's that seed growing. What are you going to do? Are you going to pluck it and say, here you go, God. I'm re- here's my request. Thank you for what you've done. Or are you going to put a, a nice little plastic thing over top of it and put a little bit of water in it and watch it grow? Are you going to watch that, that anxiety grow to fear and then to hopelessness? And by the time you're done, you're like, oh my gosh, there's a six foot plant here that it's got roots so deep that it takes time to, to dig out and to tear up and to remove. What you have in your heart, the seeds you plant in your heart are an incubator for what will come out. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Whatever you speak, you will reap a harvest of that. If you're speaking death and, and bad things over your life, you will reap a harvest of that. I've watched it in my own family. I've watched death and bad things happen in my family. And I've also watched in my own life of speaking what the word of God says and speaking life into what it is and to, to see the harvest of that. You watch the harvest of this. And what fruit do you want? Do you want crab apples or do you want apples? Do you want sweet fruit or do you want bitter fruit? Do you want anxiety or do you want the perfect love of God cast out all fear? And sometimes our circumstances look bigger than what we can walk through. You know, I, I, (coughs) you know, Sarah and I have been through that situation where it's like, oh God, where are you coming through on this one? And it's not a statement, it's a question. (laughs) And it's like, where are you coming through on this? Because we don't know. Um, Our natural mind wants to go to the the bad, the doom, the gloom, everything's going to fall apart, everything's going to suck. But our spirit, because it is attached to Christ, says, no, there is hope. It's that little seed of hope. And are we the incubator of hope or are we the incubator of hopelessness? But sometimes the situations look bigger than what we can walk through. But Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Your situation that looks hopeless, overwhelming, black as night, is not. Because with God, it is possible. But I, I love, I didn't read you the first part of that scripture. And I want you to say this. I want you to read this. We're going to turn to Matthew 19. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to start in um, verse 23. And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle for a rich person to enter into the kingdom 
When his disciples heard that they were greatly astonishing, who can be saved? Then Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. I love how Jesus, he didn't just say to them, it says he turned to them. He's like, what? He, 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 he turned to them like, what are you talking about? Because if you really read the scripture of what is going on with Jesus in the, in the, in the gospels, this is not them doing what they're supposed to do. This is Jesus training them to do what they're supposed to do. And as we do with our children, our kids will say something to them and we just turn around and we go, what are you talking about? He was doing that because they're looking at him going, how do we, then if, if he can't get to heaven, then, then how do we do this? And he turns to them and says, and this is, this is when you turn to your child and say something, you know, when we're walking through the house, they're like, hey, can we do this? Yep, no problem. But when we turn to our child, and say, hey, listen here. There's authority in that. So God is saying that when you are walking through the situation, Jesus already turned with authority and said, with God, this is possible. But with you, by yourself, trying to think it out, trying to plan it out, trying to, you know, I'm going to write it all down. We're going to figure it all out. It's impossible. But that's where we have to learn to turn to God. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Cast all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So I want you to understand that no matter what it is, if it's the little seed of anxiety, or if it's the tree of overwhelmed hopelessness, it says, Cast all of your cares upon him. Because it's not about, well, i got to hold on to this because it's, this is too small for God. God's only the, the God of big things. That, that's, that, that's false. When it, when it comes to his children, he is the God of everything. He wants to know this, and he wants to know this, and he wants to know this. It's about casting your cares upon him and him saying, come to me, my child, and I will give you rest. It's not about, well, God, I hope you can help me with this. And he, he works. He's like, oh, I'll have, we'll have a conversation about it. And he sits down and he says, so what are you going through? Oh, okay, you're dealing with fear. I don't know if I can help you this week. God doesn't work that way. When you're dealing with fear, God gives you opportunity to experience his love. And when you're going through fear, he's like, I'm going to send you people to love you. And when you're going through fear, I'm going to give you a greater experience of myself to show you the love that I have for you. Because his love casts out fear. He doesn't come, you don't come to God and say, oh, hey, can I schedule an appointment? I just need to sit on your couch, lay down and talk and see if you can work me through these things. Well, I don't really know if I have a time this week. And I, that's a little out of my scope of practice. God doesn't work that way. But we, were, we think of God that way, like he's a shrink on a couch. And when we talk to him, oh, this is too small or this is too big for him. He wants to know the little things and the big things. He takes us from this to this. Why can't he take our problems that go from this to this? If he's willing to grow us, he's willing to listen to the problems of what is going on in our life as we grow. How do you know, how many of you guys know that when you're a baby, your only, your only concern is 
food, sleep, and getting the diaper changed. Right, Jared? <laughs> he says that with dro- uh, droopy eyes because he's, he's getting lots of sleep. But God does the same thing. When we're little, our needs are, are, are few. But as we get older and life happens and, and things happen and, and we, as we grow, we diversify in our problems. It's not a great portfolio to have, but we diversify in our problems. And it's like, oh my gosh, what are, what's going on? And God's like, well, you brought me these little ones when you were little. But as you grow, you got to learn to, well, it's not just, I want to say my prayers, dear Jesus. Thank you for the day. Thank you for this. Amen. God's like, says, bring your problems to me. Come to me in prayer. Bring me the big things, the little things. Sometimes we make the little thing the big thing, and the big thing, it's like, eh, I just won't deal with it. But God's like, oh, you're going to deal with it. You want to deal with it now when it's this tall, or do you want to deal with it when it's, it's the overwhelming mountain that you don't know you're going to make it through? But he says, cast all your cares. That's not just like, well, you know, God, if you want to help me out with this, that'd be great. We don't, we've got to quit looking at God as a voicemail service and we just call him up and leave a voicemail for him and say, hey, you know, give me a call back when you get a chance. I got something going through. You do that to friends that you can trust that will help you through. God is, is a constant companion. And it's, it's not, we got to quit treating him like he's an answering service. It, It has to be a constant the moment it hits, what do I do? What do I do? It has to be a constant walk with him, not I'm going to call him up and, and beg him for something every so often. I'm not going to come in and, oh, God, oh, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while. You ever seen those prayers on TV and the movies? Well, you know, I haven't much of a prayer, and I haven't really talked to you in a while. It's been like, you know, 25 years. But if you could help me out on this one thing, that would be really great. We're all guilty of that. We, we see it on TV and we laugh at it, but we're guilty of that. As human beings, we're guilty of it. God, you know, it's been a couple of weeks since I talked to you, and you know, I know you've been talking to me about not talking to you, and and but if you could really help me out with this, that's not a relationship. That's like an angel donor. I just need somebody to throw some money at me or I need somebody to help me through this situation. That's not how God is. God is not that way. He is like, I'm holding your hand through this circumstance. You just got to realize I'm holding your hand through this circumstance and give it to me. Why are you carrying the weight that, I, that my son carried for you? Well, I don't understand why we, we spend so much time carrying a weight that Jesus already carried when he was on the cross, when he was suffering for us. But we gotta take it on ourselves. We do it ourselves. I can. I'm a. I'm a self-made person. I'm a big person. I'm an adult. I can do it myself. <laughs> it's not true. We may look like we're adults. We're not. <laughs> Wives, if you know your husbands, we may look like adults. We're not. 
we throw things into fires, we burn things, we shoot things, we drive things, we crash things, we destroy things. We try to fix them when we destroy them. Sometimes it doesn't work out too well. We're not adults. I am 38 years old, but in my head I am 8 years old. And my wife asks me every day, why did you cut that? Mm, felt like it. Why did you do that? Uh, we just want to do that. Are you going to push your, drawer, your sock drawer in? Mm, forgot about it. Yeah, that's how, that's how it works. But we, as adults, think that we can handle life. I've been here for 30 years or 50 years or 6 years. I can handle this and I can get through it. But God's like, you're still my kid. From a God with an infinite age who never ages, who is the beginning and the end, we are a tiny little infant in his sight. And he's like, you can't handle this. That's why I sent my son to take this for you because you cannot handle this. We were never meant to handle that. We were never meant to handle overwhelmed and stressed and fear. That's why he sent his son to show us the love so we wouldn't have to deal with it. But we take it on ourselves. I'm going to carry it myself. I'm not going to tell anybody about my problem. And I'm going to do it. And I'm going to beat it. And then when I'm beaten, I'll be like, look what I did. Like a little five-year-old kid that comes home from the, the playground with a black eye and goes, look. I got in a fight and I won. <laughs> but we take on our own problems and we're like, we're going to do it ourselves. We know how to do it. I can do this. I don't need anybody's help. I can do it on my own. Mm, wrong. We suck at life. We do. I'm just saying is we can do some things great, but there's a lot of areas in everyone's life, in my life, that we suck at. We don't do a good job at. That's why we need God. But we carry our problems, we carry our anxiety, and it's like, oh, I've got it, I've got it in my hand, I've got it, it's not getting away from me, I'm going to beat it, I'm going to crush it, and it just becomes an incubator for something bigger. But God says, cast your cares upon me. Psalm 23. Read Psalm 23. If you cannot, if you cannot make it through, if you can make it through Psalm 23 without saying, "I don't need this, and I don't need this, and I don't need this, and I definitely don't need this," then we need to have a conversation because I need to know how you're doing it. But God says, "Be still." David is, is in the middle of turmoil and, he's, and God is speaking to him and David writes, be still and know that I am God. Know that you can't deal with all your own problems. You can't, you're not a full-grown adult and I can do what I want to do and I can handle it on my own. No, he's saying be still and know that I am God. I am the infinite one. I am the alpha. I am the omega. I am the one who is the beginning and the end. I'm the one that created you. And as we say with our kids, sometimes when we get really angry, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. But that's not how God thinks. Because I brought you into this world and I created you for a purpose and glory. But he says, come to me, all who are labored 
and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That sounds really good. When you're going through it and you're in the middle of it and God says, come to me and I'll give you rest. You're just like, I'll take that. But he says, be still and know that I am God. And he says, I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Our names, this small. I may preach for the next 40 years and no one may ever know my name except for the people that, uh, that are in this area. But his name will be exalted forever. And he will be known throughout the earth. This is why we're this small and he is infinite. But take, quit being the incubator for overwhelmed and afraid and, and having fear and say, you know what, I'm going to cast my cares. I'm going to go and get rest. We were at the, the outlet mall yesterday and we had to pick up a birthday present for someone. And, and my wife's like, well, I'm part of this elite club when you sign up for the outlet mall club. I'm like, oh, you're part of the outlet mall club. You know, like, and she's like, but there's a lounge. And you literally, you sign up for this. And unless you have the outlet mall club membership card, you, do, you don't get to go to the lounge. And I'm like, like, this is awesome. I'm like, this is pretty cool. I got a free water. I'm like, hey, I can deal with this. But I don't know where I was going with that. But um, <laughs> but we, we, we take upon ourselves that I'm, I'm big enough to take on all my problems. And I'm elite enough to, to deal with everything I have. But it, it's really not true. Because we were never created for that. But our natural, prideful mind says, well, I'm, I'm, I'm big enough for this. But I want you to know that when you're going through those issues, when you're going through that stuff, when you're going through the uncertainty of what is going to happen at the end of this health battle or what's going to happen at the end of this financial battle or these issues, God's got you. It may not always be the result of what you feel like you need, but God has got you. And all I can say is this, is when you're going through those issues, lay them on the altar. Take the cares, the concerns, the worries, the fears, the pride of I can do this on my own and lay it at the altar and say, oh, me, I can't do it on my own. And when you do that, I love what Isaiah 40 says. It says, but they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. When you lay it on the altar, when you wait upon God, it says he will renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So when we lay it, we take all this crap that builds upon us when we're carrying it. You guys ever, I remember in school we read Pilgrim's Progress. You guys ever read that book? None of you? Few of you? I feel like a nerd. Um, <laughs> Pilgrim's Progress. Thank you, Donna. I got one person. All right. Yes. I, I challenge you to read this book. It's a really old book. A really, really old book. But it's, it's a really great book because it shows you the weight and the load of what sin and fear and worry does to a human being. 
And it also shows you of when you take it off and you cast it upon God, what it will do. I remember reading it when I was probably 10, 8, 10, something like that. We had to read it. And, but it shows what we were never meant to carry, what we were never designed to carry. So I'm asking you, don't carry it. God's asking you, don't carry it. Why are you concerned about something that doesn't concern you? Why are you carrying something that shouldn't be carried? Why are you holding on to something that doesn't need to be held on to? But when we lay it at God's feet, we bring it to the altar and we lay it upon God's feet, he says, I will renew your strength. You're still going to go through it, but you're laying it at his feet and he's going to give you strength to go through it. Not, well, I'm going to do it on my own. And when you're halfway through the journey, you're like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't go on. But God says, when you lay it at my feet, I'm going to renew your strength. You're going to walk and run and you won't go weary and faint. You're going to be able to get up and go through it. We don't want to go through those situations, but it, it, it produces something in us. But I love it. He says, I will renew your strength. You will run and not grow weary. So lay it at his altar. Lay it at his feet and say, this is too big for me. This is more than I can handle. Why are we picking up what Jesus already carried? Why are we taking on what Jesus already took care of? Why are we holding on to what Jesus already won? Why are we going back into defeat when Jesus already gave us victory? But I love this last verse, and I'm going to close with this. It says, May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing, so that the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope. The point of every week when you guys sit here is that at the end of the day, when you're done listening to whoever is up here, that you may abound in hope when you walk out. It's not to come in here and say, Well, were you good enough this week? I know that was creepy, sorry. But, but think about it. Do you want to come to church and go, someone come here, did you sin this week? What'd you do wrong? Nobody wants to, know, to hear that. Because it go, it, it come, we go home and we're like, oh my gosh, I'm a horrible sinner. I'm a worthless wretch. I'm a worm. And what hope does that give us? At the end of that sermon, when it says, did you sin? Did, what did you not do for God this week? And then they read this verse. May the God of hope fill you with all peace. It contradicts what God wants. When you come home from a sermon like that, you're like, I don't even want to eat. I feel overweight now. I feel fat. I can't do anything right. But our, our point is that every week you go home with hope that God has something greater for you, that he's going to take you through the next step, that the God of hope will fill you with joy and peace and believing, believing that he will do the work that he has said he will do, that he will give you a future that he said he will give you. And so by that, the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope.
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Our job is that when we come in here is to have hope. We have hope that God, and we know that God is going to do what he says. We don't come in here and go, I don't know if God is actually good as what he says he is. We've all had those doubts in our life. I don't know if God's going to come through like he said he, was good, he said he would. I don't know if he said he's, if he is who he says he is. We've all had those, those moments, even if it's that brief microsecond, and then you're like, no, that's not wrong. That, that's, that's wrong. It's not right. It's, it's completely contrary. We've had those moments, those brief seconds of like, I don't know if he's going to do this, what he says he's going to do. But he is. He's not a liar. We're liars. I'm a liar. I'm just saying. We all, we're, we're all fallen. But our God is not. You know, I look at it and say, you know, if I can't come out of a service filled with hope, then who am I serving? What, what am I doing? If I can't come out and God is changing me and I come out, even if I know there's something I need to change inside of me, I can't come out with hope that it's going to change. I don't want to serve that God. If I come out of service and I feel like, man, he hates me and he's angry with me and he, he's so frustrated with me, and I'm afraid to do anything. But fear is found in punishment. But perfect love casts out fear. So I want to do this. I want to just give you guys this. You will have hope. There is a hope. It is Jesus Christ. It's the hope of glory. And God is going to fill you with hope. He's going to fill you with joy. He's going to fill you with peace. Whatever we're going through, whatever you're going going to go through, he's going to do that. But don't carry it on your own. Lay it at his feet. Stop being the selfish kid with your problems. Mine. It's not yours. It's his. Jesus already took it, so why are we reclaiming something and pulling it off of the bloodied back in the, in the, of Jesus and saying, this is mine, and we're holding it against us, saying, this is my worry. This is my problem. And Jesus is like, I've taken it for you. I've already been bloodied and bruised and beaten for you. And you're pulling it off him going, no, it's mine. He says he took the sins of the world. He took all of it one time so we wouldn't have to. So why are, we, why are we pulling it off of him? Why are we pulling it back from him and saying, give me it, it's mine. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. Let's pray.